This episode is brought to you by Indie Insights. Indie Insights is our bi-weekly newsletter and love note to the film industry, movies, and the creatives that make them, not to mention you, our esteemed listeners. Inside, you'll find curated industry trends, articles, exclusive commentary, and underappreciated films from filmmakers like yourself worldwide. The best part is that it's completely free. So sign up today at www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. It just takes a few seconds. And once you sign up, you'll get our next newsletter on Friday morning. It's that simple. Go to www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights, our bi-weekly newsletter, and join a network of film creatives just like yourself. That's www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe to get Indie Insights for free. Hello, hello, Chris here with another episode of the Make It Podcast, and I'm here with my good friend and co-founder, Nicholas Bugs, and our esteemed guest, Diane Strand. Nick, Diane, say hello. Hi, nice to be here. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> That's awesome. See Nick, how I did that, Chris? Yeah, see, <laughs> I got to give the floor to our esteemed you guest. You know? No, 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 we don't, we're not going to fight for this. You know, you know, Diane and I, we're, we're, we're cordial, you know, like, <laughs> so she I made sure I get you. her the place. She, she did. She's quick. She's quicker than you think. So yeah, yeah she, she got That's it. something we found out about, about Diane in, in the prep up to this point. She's a gamer. She's ready to go. And, uh, and I think we'll hear that, you know, from her spirit throughout this conversation. But That's before right. we get started, uh-oh. I don't think anybody takes anything we say too, too seriously. I mean, they they should. Just, the, these are gems, man. We drop gems. Our guests yes, drop gems. I, they should take it seriously. Unless, of course, we're talking about the esoteric and, you know, maybe Chris is on a tangent of some sort and has said mm-hmm, something out of bounds. Mm-hmm. But what do you got for us, Chris? What's going on? Well, look, if we're talking about the industry and we're talking about things you should do that make your life easier as an independent filmmaker and creator, I think those things, listen to us, we've been there, we can do that. It's still not life and death. It's still not like, the, you know, the fall of Rome. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> with the other stuff, yeah, I mean, I just think, you know, it, it, it isn't super important. But in the spirit of the fact that I'm a journalist, Nick, mm. you know, went to school for journalism. Uh, that was one of my majors. In the it, with respect to it, and in the name of good journalism, something that is just falling apart today in America. <laughs> I want to make a couple of quick corrections. Okay, journalistic uh, on our integrity. Last conversation. Here. Okay, integrity. Mm. No one asked me to have integrity, mm. mm-hmm. but they I like me better when I have less of it. <laughs> right, <laughs> but I expected of myself. That's so, right. so first thing last week, I said that Charlton Heston was in Ben Ben Hur. He is, in fact, in the movie, but not as the lead, which is what I was intimating. Oh, uh, not the lead of Ben Hur. He just is just a guy riding a chariot, I think, or a horse in that movie. So, Emi, uh, I'm a dumb dumb. Okay. Second, I don't even know why this happened or how I said it, but I sort of inexplicably, and Nick, you didn't even catch it, uh, gave our social handles incorrectly. 
we are not at the Make It Podcast on social or underscore at the Make It Podcast. We are at underscore Make It Podcast uh, on Instagram and on X. So if you were searching around with that extra letters in there and you couldn't find us, well, that's on me. So I just wanted to correct those two things and be a good journalist. Now, and, and wait, wait. And, and one thing I have. Do you to, have any corrections? I, well, I, I, I do have a potential correction. Right. So mm-hmm, this is, this mm-hmm. is for everyone here, including Diane. Um, it can be a challenge sometimes when you say make it too quickly. Sometimes it, it sounds like naked. naked. <laughs> so we are not mm-hmm. the naked podcast, right? Don't go searching for that's the a totally naked. different podcast. It is. That's not us. <laughs> right. We are the make it podcast. So look for that wherever you're looking for podcasts. Yes. <laughs> With that, what a segue. <laughs> We bring on mm-hmm. Diane. Uh, Diane, can you just tell us uh, again, just name, title, what we might know you for, what you do, what you're working on now, what you're excited about? Oh, well, thanks for having me. Um, my name is Diane Strand. I am the executive producer at JDS Studio. I run... Um, also, I founded a nonprofit called JDS Creative Academy. I have a very long title. If you ask me really what my title is, <laughs> I'm a serial entrepreneur, I'm a best-selling author, I'm a speaker and a nonprofit founder. And that's kind of my long list of titles. You could throw a couple board presidents in there and uh, different hats that I wear. Uh, best known for, um, Well, I have an extensive entertainment career background, uh, but over the last 20 years, being a serial entrepreneur in uh, video production and multimedia, and I'm best known for making dreams come true and helping Mm. people get paid for those dreams. Oh, that's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's at the core of what we do. You know, I think that's how, you know, we started even with the podcast, you know, asking people what, you know, what it meant to make it. Right. And I think that's it. It's like this, this central part is you want to make a living doing the thing that you love. And I think that's what it sounds like you've been doing, not only as an entrepreneur doing that for yourself, but all these different hats that you're wearing is, is pretty amazing and in, in how you're giving back to the community as well. So our hat goes off to you. Thank you very much. It's, it, it definitely gives me more than I know that I give back out. It's such mm. a, a reverse psychology situation that the more you give, the more you get. And I love that I get to see people reach their career dream goals, especially in an industry like, you know, the entertainment industry, which can be very subjective. Um, but I'm a true believer that the arts level the playing field and anyone can make a living in this industry. I've spent awesome. the majority of my adult life uh, as an entrepreneur as well. I did a long stint uh, at a corporation, and and so I have both of those experiences. And then I've spent, uh, you know, the the last uh, nine years being, you know, a strict sort of creative and 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 film producer and uh, podcast producer and those things. And you know, you get uh, divergent um, advice a lot of times when we go into these fields. And one is, hey, just focus in on one thing so you can be successful at it. And then there's people like me and you where we're serial entrepreneurs. Uh, so wh- why why have you decided to do all these things and have all these titles? I mean, I know the answer for myself why I do it, 
but I'm curious why you've chosen to do so many things and not just focus on one. And, and were you ever tempted to just like double down on one of the things, whether it be the acting studio or, or uh, nonprofit or board work or whatever? Um, well, I don't want to check it all up to ADHD, but I'm sure that has something to do with it. Um, you know, squirrel effect and yep. shiny object and go start something new. Uh, and I think that does have something to do with it. You know, in the entrepreneurial space, uh, you have to have a lot of irons in the fire. I mean, that really is a way to go about it. Um, you know, there are highs and lows, ebbs and flows, feast of famine, you know, that happens in that entrepreneurial space. Uh, even in the creative space, I really refer to myself as like the creative preneur. Uh, because everything revolves around being creative. I tell creatives who want to launch how to make that happen, as well as businesses who need more creativity. So I just, I don't know, I spin and I just like to do a lot. I like to keep busy, uh, a little bit of a workaholic syndrome at the same time, I'm sure. But, um, you know, it, it just keeps me excited. It keeps me motivated. It keeps me going. I love doing something new all the time. And that's why I love entrepreneurship. And you talked about loving, supporting, and watching people achieve their dreams. I think me and Nick share that quite a bit as well. But I am curious at what point you knew yourself that well, that you knew you were the supporter, you were the wind beneath some creative's wings, you were the woman behind the curtain, so to speak. And and, and was that a, a comforting thought for you or, or, or was that something that you were felt bad about for a while and, and then accepted? No, I, you know, I don't know that I'm necessarily the, the woman behind the curtain, so to speak. I definitely <laughs> find my stages. I started in this industry way back when as an actor uh, and found my way back to different types of stages, whether that's speaking, doing podcasts, television interviews. So I definitely come out from behind the curtain. I just have, you know, maybe it's the mom in me that brings that little bit of, you know, pushing somebody out and, and finding how they can fly too. Uh, with my nonprofit, I get to work with adults with developmental disabilities. And I know that there are barriers that they face every single day. And so if I could knock down a barrier or help them reach a goal or a dream, whether that's learning a soft skill or a technical skill so they can feel of value too, that makes me feel valuable. And so, it, like I said, it comes back around where I'm feeding my own soul by feeding other people's souls. Um, and, you know, and I am a firm believer, I go out and get my soul filled too. I work with mentors mm -hmm. and coaches, can't do it alone. Uh, in that space. And sometimes entrepreneurship can be very lonely. And so I reach out to those other communities to do that. And when I see somebody else thrive, and I know that I had a part in it, I can rack that up as a tiny win. You know, th those are wins. And um, they're very important to be able to, you know, take those little wins to the big win. That's what creates the momentum and keeps you going. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah I think people <laughs> don't low. understand that quite a bit, right? Right, Nick. Like the the loneliness that comes with entrepreneurship is very, very under undersaid and underappreciated. Yeah, um, I, I definitely believe that's true. But I think that 
you know, what's what's interesting is like Diane is explaining is that she surrounded herself with people, right? In a variety you, of you different ways, yeah. you know, whether they're mentors or mentees, you know, people that she's serving in the community. So I think that that's, that's the way that you deal with some of that. You know that what you're doing is for a good purpose. And, and one of the things that I'm really interested in, I'm wondering, uh, Diane, is has the studio been kind of like the thread has gone through all of this? Like as you've added new opportunities and new entrepreneurship, you know, like you're grabbing on these other things, but is the studio the central thing that kind of keeps going, will kind of keep going no matter what? Is that kind of like your central bread and butter and then your, and you know, what you kind of give back to the community? Absolutely. You know, I always say the studio, JDS studio, which really is not an entity, it's a building, it's mm. the roof that keeps us all inside from the video production and multimedia side. That's my for-profit business that with my partner in life and business, my husband, uh, we've been running that business for 20 years. That's what drove us out of LA, starting our own entrepreneurship and creating uh, video and marketing and internal and external corporate communications. And then we launched JDS Actor Studio, which is underneath that. It's um, it's kind of a it's an entity because my husband really is the professional actor. You know, he's been in movies with Bruce Willis and Christopher Walken and George C. Scott. And uh, when that itch started back up after we left <laughs> LA, his solution was, "What if we did like an actor studio or a drama club?" And so we started a drama club in the school districts where we're at and they just blew up to where we had to create our own studio because we couldn't go to that many schools and do our video production <laughs> business all at the same time. So uh, we created our first brick and mortar, which became the studio. And we started putting housing that underneath it. And then as things started to evolve and transition, it's, well, can you teach this class? Can you do this? Can we <laughs> do that? And we needed to grow again. and. It wasn't something there's only so many hours in the day. So that's where we launched the nonprofit. I pulled all my industry professional friends together around my kitchen table at that time. And uh, we had a board meeting and that was 10 years ago. And now we have this thriving nonprofit that has created a TV show, two TV shows, a radio show, a podcast, a signature three-day event. We have classes. We do Halloween and, and camp and all different kinds of things that keep everything moving together and it all happens here at the studio so that's the through line for everything um, it, it's a place to do and learn and teach and it just kind of wraps it all together that's amazing <laughs> you're talking about the root right the root that has kind of given life to all of these other things that you're doing and how that has kind of grown into the community. I think that's the idea is that you have this root in the studio that has now branched out and had all these amazing things happen. And I know that, you know, Chris, you and I talk about it all the time about the value of producing where you are. And I think mm -hmm. you're providing an example to others of how that can work. And, you know, Chris, I would, I would you know, I, I know you and I are always talking about like, again, she's producing things where she where she is. So that's the podcast, that's TV shows, that's radio shows. But like, how do other people kind of mimic that? Because I think what we get a lot, Chris, is people talking about that, that what you talked about earlier. It's like, let's move to L.A. 
right? Let's go to New York. Let's go to Miami. Like we have to move to these places to do something, well, right? But well, look, I mean, there's there, there there's a there's an honest conversation to have there, right? Yeah. Um, produce where you are proves to investors and and other people who are looking at you and deciding if you're a serious person or not. Produce where you are lets them know you are a serious person. It just lets them know you can make something and you don't need sort of the confines and and you know pageantry and 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 resources of of the hubs. But the but there is that you once you know you can do that, then you should be able to go anywhere and produce. And if you want to take sometimes to take yourself to the next level, you do need to go to some of those places. I mean, I think there, I think that's okay too. I yep, like, so, I agree. so there's a yes. And to that, um, um, a lot of times, you know, as a producer, you're going where you can get the incentive, you know, you're going to shoot there and you're going to, and you're going to, so, so, so learning to produce where you are ends up being huge for your career. But I think if you're an actor, well, first and foremost, does your local community find you to be talented is really, really important, right? Like you don't want to William hung yourself where <laughs> everyone's telling you you can act and it turns out you can't act, right? And if people that don't remember William hung, he was uh, cruelly, I thought it was one of the most cruel sort of public jokes, right? It was like a real time practical joke happening uh, to William hung by the world, by continuing to let him be on American Idol and saying that he can sing when we, we knew he couldn't sing. So uh, you don't want to do that to yourself, right? So it's good to know that and find out if you really have talent, do you really have taste? Uh, taste is really tough. You have to develop it. It can't be taught to you. And the problem is, is taste is like driving. Everybody thinks they, they're good at it. Everybody thinks they have it. You're the last one to find out you have bad taste. Right. And so it, it, it's a really tough thing in the choices. Right. And I wanted to talk to you, Diane, about that, too. Just if you had someone come to your school and your studio and they had somehow just fallen ass backwards into a, a meaningful role in anything. And but they had never acted before. And you had one month to teach them how to act. I mean, what, what would be the first three things you teach them? Well, show up and, you know, being in a class is the most important thing that you can do. It's a continual study um, acting that you do. So even, you know, your Tom Cruises and your Julia Roberts, they find themselves jumping back into a class here and there, getting back to the basics. And it really comes back to the same thing that we were talking about just prior to getting on air here, being authentic, being real, talking from your heart finding the character. It's about the character that they're developing in the acting world. It's not about me. It's not about the actor. It's not about who's delivering the information. It's about the character who is, you're stepping into those shoes. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so those are the two things is show up and learn how to step into somebody else's shoes. And the way you do that is you develop a character. And that is some of the biggest things that actors sometimes don't do. They think it's inflection of a word or <laughs> it's how you might phrase something. I'm not saying those things don't have purpose and meaning, but it's really just real to the character in who it is who's speaking those words. And if you are speaking those words from that character's authenticity, then you're going to get the phrasing and the inflections that need to come out, just like we do in real life. You know, I always tell people who are on camera, it's okay if you pause. 
It's okay if you stumble on a word. We do that every day in real life and we mm -hmm. just go on. It's like all of a sudden the camera's turned on to you and you're heightened aware of all of it and you start to stumble. Slow down, get in touch with who you are. If you're speaking as you, get in touch with who you are. If you're speaking as another character and you're in a scene, get in touch with that character. How does that, you know, where is that character? What is the environment? What is, is that character warm or cold at the moment? Mm -hmm. You know, is that character, how did they get up that day? How did they feel that day? What is going on? All the things that happen, just like I'm here talking to you. I'm a little chilly. I just turned off my heater because I was hot a second ago, <laughs> and now I'm a little chilly. I can feel myself even a little bit more amped in how I am because I'm being authentic, and I'm feeling the feels, and I'm going through that. Same thing when you're working a character. You've got to be and get authentic to the character. Is there a particular technique that you and Scott teach? Just wonder if there's any particular technique of all the techniques you, you focus on, or do you guys skip well, around? Scott uh, has his own technique. He calls it truth in acting, which brings you back mm -hmm. to that mm -hmm. authentic truth stuff. Um, you know, he's studied with Stan, uh, Stanislavski. He's read tons yep. of books. He kind of takes a little bit of what works and what works for him as even a performer and an actor and comes up with his own practice and theory. But uh, it comes from starting with the authenticity, the truth in acting, the truth in the character and finding that and moving forward because it's just that character is living that life and that story and that situation. And if you can put yourself to become that character the words should come naturally, especially if you've studied them and you've looked through that, they'll come naturally because you're that character. It's just like, I don't know what I'm going to say in 10 seconds, <laughs> but I'm me and I'm yep. willing to say something that's true to me. That's awesome. And it's so hard to bring yourself to a character. I think that's the hardest thing you do. And it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. And and I've seen young actors where they, where they fail, um, on screen or in class a lot of times is where they're trying to, they've been given an assignment or they've written an assignment, but they haven't lived that in their real life. So they don't really truly know authentically how they would react in that situation. And so in turn, they're actually internalizing someone else's performance they saw in some other movie, right? And it's amazing how you can actually see that happening. You're like, oh, wait, wait, I know you and that wasn't you. So who are you right now? And the reason you're not being you is because you've never been a divorced mother of two. And you're trying to do that on camera and it's not working and it's not authentic. And so it is. Listen, I don't know what you tell me what you think of this advice, Diane. We had an acting coach on one time. Uh, his name is Joshua Noble. And he said the first thing he looks for is what a student does with their hands. He wants to know, are they going to put their hand, shove their hands in their pocket? Uh, he wants to know, are they going to lean against a wall because they, they can't feel sort of significant enough in the room? Do they go immediately find the first thing to lean on, chair, wall, whatever? What, what do you think about that advice? And what, what do you look for? What's the first thing you look for? Well, I look for in somebody who's really trying to break into the industry, I look for whether or not they're ready to step outside their comfort zone. Because mm. if you are, 
moving Same. through this industry and trying to break in, you have to get yourself uncomfortable. You have to start getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and doing things that you've never done before because you are stepping into a character that might not have anything to do with who you are as a person. That's right. I do believe mm-hmm. that you can not be divorced and not have kids, but still play a divorced person with kids. You have mm-hmm. You, you have to study. That's where the research, that's where the building of the character really comes into play. Now, we're yeah. talking about when you are performing in a film or a television show, which is a very different technique than auditioning. Those are two very different techniques that you have to learn. And it's a both of those are skills. Both of those are a craft that you have to work. You can be a fantastic performer, but a lousy auditioner. Or you could be a great person who auditions and gets the part and then you can't step into the character because you've never gotten past the, you know, you can't get past the, well, I can just throw this out there. Auditioning is a skill. Mm -hmm. Acting is a skill. Those are two separate things. They may revolve around the same thing, but they are two techniques that you have to bring forth and put in there a little bit you got to develop a quick character you got to make some choices when you're auditioning but you have to also stay open because if you're in an audition and you've come you're too staunch on your choices you're not going to get that part because you're not leaving room for the director to interpret for all the other things that need to come into play you need to you know be able to be open so that you can change it don't be so locked into i'm always going to say this word this way because what mm-hmm. happens when they say well now do it this way and if you can't <laughs> you're out yeah and you, you yeah, mentioned and that always happens yeah yeah and i was gonna say you mentioned the idea of getting out of your comfort zone and one of the things that i think about in that comfort zone i know that would be comfortable for me because as not being an actor <laughs> i would say that following the script is comfortable right that is very comfortable because you know what you're supposed to say and one of the things that i've heard a lot of is that that's where you're supposed to find the discomfort and that's one thing that people look for is your ability to provide i guess we would say valuable improvisation and natural improvisation and would you say that that improvisation piece is one of those pieces that differentiates the audition from when you're at when you're actually performing because when it comes time to perform i think they're expecting you to say the words that are that are on the page <laughs> versus when you got the part and you got to embody you got to change you got to improvise Does, would that make sense um, yeah, I think there's both improvis- uh, improvisation in both aspects. Uh, remember, they pay writers a lot of money to write That's words, right. and exactly. that writer wants you to say those words like they wrote them, not yep. sit in the theater and go, I didn't say it like that. <laughs> so th- those are, you know, it, acting really does happen in between the lines. That's where you have to, it, it's the hidden mm-hmm. message. It, it's mm-hmm. the, the message that the character is holding on to that hasn't revealed in dialogue yet, that needs to come through in those moments. Um, I, I think when you are locked in, it, let's go in a theater, uh, if, you're a, a, if you're an actor on stage, you definitely can improv a little bit more because you're in the live moment. If you're okay. an actor in a film or a TV show, you get pretty, you have to be locked into the words. It's a timing thing. Yep. Uh, again, you get into writers who were paid a lot of money to write those words. Uh, you don't want to improv too much 
in an audition because they're going to see you as being as doing that. You don't want to be mm. memorized though in an audition. Do not memorize. You should always hold your script that says that you're still working. Now I'm not saying look at your script. Right. Uh, you know, you want to be able to know exactly what your line is, but you don't want to be memorized. The minute you become memorized, you're rigid now. Mm. So you want to mm. stay fluid. You want to know the words to to like just fall off the tip of your tongue that if you take a quick glance, hold it up, feel it okay. out, you know the words that you're supposed to say. You still should not be improving because then they're not, you're usually reading with a casting director who is not an, an actor and they just, they're like, where'd you go on the page? <laughs> <laughs> so, what, so what would be, cause like you say, you don't want to be memorized, right? So at that, if you're not memorizing, then, there's there seems to be room for maybe interpretation right so how do you balance that you know you had to think about it like this like so our audience is mixed right uh they're mixed between the people who are just starting and then you have the seasoned folks so if we're talking to people who are just starting how do they find that balance between what's on the page and that little bit of like chris was saying bringing a little bit of you in there and saying well if i were this character Maybe I wouldn't have said that one word that way. I would have said this word, right? Not changing the intention, right? Not changing the goals of the person who wrote that script. But how do you balance that? It seems like it would be very, very difficult, you know, to do that. It, it, well, that is a difficult, you know, I'm not saying you can't bring some of your own stuff. Remember the acting happens between the dialogue. Between the line, yep. That's where you bring the you into okay. it or put the your talent into it to convey that message carry that message along take a beat that's longer mm. put something into it but if the word you don't want to mess the words unless it's a slip of the tongue or it's just where you're going in the moment and you haven't changed anything adding a word or dropping a word isn't going to change much but if the you know if you're improving and the line is let's go to the store and now all of a sudden it's let's go to the store we need to get oh we need coffee and we need the <laughs> you're just making stuff up you're and right. now you're improving in the moment and it's not an exercise this is an Got audition it. right you yep. can't really add all those in because you're not the writer you're the actor and that's what mm. gets you know the industry is a multi-billion dollar industry you know it is actor centric but it is only 10% of the whole entire industry. So you have to respect the industry as an industry and the writer, the director, the producer, the graphics, the all editors, everything that comes into play. You know, that is sometimes the writer's biggest nightmare because the true writer is the editor. They get the final rewrite of everything, <laughs> you know. Okay. So it, it, it comes into... It, it comes into play where you have to have that, all those aspects working together to be able to put out the the masterpiece that comes in. It, it, it really is a collaboration. It really is a teamwork. It really is how you feed off of your actor partner. Now, if your actor partner is going down, you know, a rabbit hole into improv, follow them along with it so you don't get lost. But okay. I wouldn't be the one, I wouldn't advise my students to be the one to go down that improv rabbit hole right. unless that's a direction from your casting agent that said, okay, 
Let's put the script out. Let, let's just character and improv. And they do that. That that happens in in auditions. That happens in table reads. That's where the actor really gets to bring their own creativity into it. But you have to, you know, you have to look at, you know, uh, what is the job of an actor? The actor's job is to perform what is already on the page. Um, that is their job. There is a time and a place for improv, but usually it's not inside the approved script that's already, you know, moving forward into production. That's perfect. And, you know, it's yeah, I think if you, I think if you improv too much, you lose the tone and intent of what was, what was written, but two movies to check out uh, somewhat recent that, uh, really illustrate what you're saying, Diane. Uh, Ferrari with Adam Driver. Just watch the stuff Adam Driver does, and Penelope Cruz for that matter, um, between takes, or not between takes, but between dialogue. It's such a joy to watch. <laughs> and then I'll give you one that you probably wouldn't think of, which is Equalizer 3 with Denzel Washington. Watch all the stuff he does when he's not speaking. And you just know from having written a screenplay and read so many like we have, Nick, that wasn't written. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no screenwriter told Denzel to fold his napkin two times and unfold it and then take a sip of tea and then move the tea away and then bring it back to him randomly for some reason and then speak his line. And he does it so casually. It's such a joy. I, I watched that movie, actually, Nick, while I was in Madrid. And it, first of all, it was incredible to watch it with a foreign audience. But then two... Uh, it was just, I was just kind of, I, I wasn't even thinking about the gore of the movie because it's actually a, a pretty violent movie. I was just sort of caught up in Denzel, man. Man, just who like doesn't get caught up in him. Denzel? You know, it's just yeah. the mark of a great actor, right, Diane? Yeah. He is. He's a, he he's elevates a, a movie like that. He is. And that's exactly where I was going with it. You know, take that beat. Fold that napkin three. That's your improv. That's your <laughs> acting. Moving the moving the pieces around. It. You could have uh, four lines, and those four lines could take you ten seconds to run through, or those four mm. lines could take you five and a half minutes to run through. That's the yeah. acting. That's bringing. It's not adding any extra dialogue. It's mm. not coming up with a rewrite of a sentence. It's putting those intentions. Those feelings getting those out there remember the actor's job is to let let you know what you're feeling without telling them what you're feeling and sometimes you have to you have to tell the audience something that you can't tell the other person in your scene yet and so how you do that is through some of that personal business that's where that acting comes in that's that is acting that's what's yeah. happening are you saying that between the lines to give you a, a scenario to exactly? To there. And when you said like what happens between the lines, like that was perfect, <laughs> right? And then I like the idea of performing the line. So it's, it's it's better than ever even mentioning improvisation to me. It's almost like maybe you shouldn't ever say that, right? And and the reason I, I mentioned the improvisation is because I asked the community about this about. What makes uh what's the difference between a professional actor and an amateur actor? And I got a lot of comments that said, you know, valuable improvisation or natural improvisation. And I think that can be easily misinterpreted into adding dialogue, right? Adding new words, adding new things. And I think what they're actually saying, especially if I'm hearing what you're saying, is that 
No, the improvisation happens between the lines. Let the lines lay. Let them be what they are. But then you improv, right? No one told you to stand that way or wear your shirt that way or look at the person that way. That is the improvisation that is the performance of the lines. And I think that's that's a perfect way to put it. I'll, and I'll add a, I'll add an exception, and then we'll do some things we should know. But mm. I'll, I'll, I'll put an asterisk on there, and I'll say comedic improv oh, is slightly different in the sense that the director might say, okay, give me one where you say this, and then give me another one where you say that. And then that comedian, comedic actor or comedian might say, okay, I have a few. And they already are prepared. They have like seven different ways they're going to say this insult and a lot of times what ends up in the movie is just the one that worked the best. Like, okay, that was freaking funny and unexpected. Boom. And you're really counting on that comedian to be a good writer and to have something interesting to say in that moment. Um, it's not that that comedic actor isn't doing the other stuff either. Like they're right. doing the non-dialogue stuff too. But you really ask them sometimes to do something funny either with their body or with like I think about Jim Carrey in, in Ace Ventura that movie <laughs> came out one. of nowhere it blindsided everybody because there was a pocket of people who knew how talented he was and then for the larger community he was the white guy on living color like for the larger yep. globe he was just the white guy on living color that had a few really great characters and so when he opens that movie doing somersaults and and roundoffs with the box in his hand as a UPS delivery person. <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't written in the script. No, uh, I'm sure it wasn't. And right. I, I, you, it was amazing because he could do that. Out. He's interviewed, but again, <laughs> all of those things that you were talking about, that was all business. An mm. actor is supposed yep. to bring that business to the character. That's all business. Yeah. He wasn't singing a song. That wasn't right. written in the script. He wasn't saying lines with it. He was just performing his way to his first line. He mm. stretched that out. There was maybe just <laughs> one line that said, I got your package here, right? right. <laughs> but it was the three and a half minutes leading up to it that had no dialogue, but told you exactly who the character was that he was playing. And he's, and he's had, had you a really in tears, good interview, too. actually, when you talk about... Um, that film and how he he actually said I did not add he he said in an interview he did not add any dialogue to that movie that was not written there everything he did was just his business <laughs> that he brought to the character That's and awesome. who it was being authentic to the character those are choices mm -hmm. those are the actor choices yeah. that you get to make yeah. in between the lines that are given to you and how you put those out there that's where that beauty comes in. That's where your talent, your creativity gets to drive that to why would my character say I'm lonely and I'm tired and I'm sad? Why would they say that? You have to come up with that. You have to make those choices. You might have to do, hold a picture, look at a picture, cry and do all that. And then it's like, oh, it makes me sad or whatever the line is, yeah. right? It, it's all the things that came up into it that brought us to either love or hate that character that they're giving out there or laugh at that character. Diane, I can't, you know, I, I, I'm not a guy who, who wants to tell people when they're right or wrong or what's right or wrong. And I, I love the freedom of expression. I do love a good debate. I won't, I won't 
back away from saying that. And I certainly love to talk and get other people's POVs. I mean, hell, that's why I have a podcast, right? But I will be honest and say, I have, I get a pang. Is that what it's called? Yep. Yeah, you get a pang. <laughs> I, get, I get like blood in my eye when somebody tells me they don't like Jim Carrey. And he is a very, very polarizing person. Dude, who are these people but, you're talking to? You know, but, yeah. But I talk to a lot of people and yeah. it's just like, oh, I, I can't, I can't do him. I can't do him. And it's mm. just a sense of that he's over the top, but it's like, but yeah, he's super talented in it. And how can you not see? And I think sometimes it, it comes down to like, I've started to call it that Jacob Collier effect. And Jacob Collier is this incredible musician from London. He does, He's just amazing. And he wears sort of these ridiculous clothes, but they're perfectly authentic, <laughs> authentic to, him. to him. And And people either love him or they can't deal with it because he is doing so much with the music that that sometimes the melody's lost for people, right? Like they, they just want to ride that melody. They just want to, they just want to have something pretty that hits every note. And he's not going to give that to you. He's going to throw a lot of stuff in there. I think that's what Jim Carrey does to people, you know, in movies and, and in his performances. It's like, okay, that's a lot. Uh, I just want you to do it straight, but then there's no, there's no authenticity and no fun in that for him. So anyway, you know what time it is. You know it's that time. It is time for things we should know. Not brought to you by producer Papa Bear today. We're brought to you by our very own Nicholas Bugs. Papa Bear, shout out to you. Hope you're having fun on the beach. Nick, hit us with a things you should know. I definitely will. And things Diane, we should know. I, I, I got to tell you, I love, I love Chris. There's no we anymore. Yeah, I know. I, I love Chris's pregnant pauses. You know, brought to you mm-hmm. by. Uh, Nicholas Bugs. All right. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so this one, of course, we do our things we should know um, often, if not always, based off of our guest. Uh, so I want to see if our guest knows this. And, and Chris, if you know this as well. Yeah. This sounds like more pressure on Diane. Than oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. <laughs> so, <laughs> there it is. Yeah. <laughs> She's on it. So I'm going to ask this question. So where was the first known acting school where was it and then secondly to follow it up when was it built first known acting school and when was it built let me write these down first new york was the first acting school okay and i don't know (laughs) okay 30 something (laughs) you've got you've got 1930 ish in new york I'm gonna take. I think Nick is a is a tricky little devil. I'm, I'm a tricky and dude. So yeah, he's a tricky. He's a he's a tricky dick. Isn't that what we call uh, Nixon? Is <laughs> that, that is exactly that exactly. Tricky dick? So, but no 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 no. You have to call me tricky Nick. Like that would work a lot tricky better. Nick, I don't want to be associated. tricky Nick is better than tricky. Yeah, exactly. Know, tricky. Thank you. Okay, me. so I think mm. it was in Germany. Ooh, and okay, Germany or London? Germany mm. or London? I'll stick with Germany. And I think the first school, I, I like Diane's take. I'm going to go with 19. See, the problem is Germany in the 30s. Mm. Ooh, can't be late 30s. Um, I'm going to go with 1940. No, 19, <laughs> 1952. Mm. When Germany was coming out of World War II, they had enormous prosperity. The economy was blowing up there. That would have been a great time for an acting school to start. Excellent. I love these answers, okay. and I think that um, 
there's probably some history, right, around acting schools in New York. I'm sure there's history around acting schools in Germany, uh, but I'm going to read a little something for you both. You ready for this? All right. So it, the, it started in the Paleolithic. Uh, <laughs> you going to tell us it started before agriculture? <laughs> and that there's some plates. Are you, are you ready? In a cave? Are, you, are you ready, my friend? Jesus the first, Christ! In, right. Our Lord, Amen. So the first yeah. known acting studio or acting school is often attributed to the theater of Dionysus in ancient oh Athens, Greece. This theater <laughs> was dedicated to the Greek <laughs> god Dionysus and is considered one of the earliest examples of a formalized theater space. While not a modern acting studio in contemporary sense, it served as a training ground for actors in ancient Greek drama. And it was built in the mid sixth century BC. Before I didn't even Christ, think to go back as far as Shakespeare. Huh. <laughs> Do you see what I mean, Diane? Do you see what I mean about about him being tricky? This is pre-Shakespeare. This is way before William. Exactly. This is like business, L.A., California, yeah. United States. <laughs> exactly. What did, what did the Greek god Dionysus do, Nick? What was he known? Oh, that's a very well. I think he was probably, god. and I, I have to look it up. But I think that that was the god of performance and. Um, I can't remember what else because I think each of the I Greek that was gods. Ryan Gosling. I know, right? <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, no. It's yeah. no, it's actually not Ryan Gosling. It's uh, Daniel Day Lewis. The oh, <laughs> there you go. I don't know, great Greek god. I don't know if you're going there, but yeah. So it, if you think about it, though, right? Like when you hear the answer, you're like, ah, oh, right? Like how old is theater? Right. Like you think about that. Right. How old is the idea of acting? How old is the idea of performance? And then how old is the idea of now we're going to bring these people together and actually train people in these arts? So anyway, I just wanted to share that. Things we should know. This thing's been around for a long time. Indeed. Second oldest profession. I think you could probably go back even further than that. Um, You know, actually, if you do start getting into the theory of all of it, you know, it does come back. From Bible stories and you know in the church and in religion to where um, they were performing out some of these stories before it would have ever been considered acting right it was just exactly how you would be a storyteller and that's really what actors are writers are directors are we're all storytellers and if you're a good storyteller then you you have an edge in this business. That is the talent that I think you need for this uh, for this industry is to be a storyteller. I think we have the answer, by the way. Diana. Yep, we do. So um, Dionysus, known for winemaking, orchards and fruit, vegetation, fertility, festivity, insanity, ritual madness, <laughs> ritual ecstasy. In theater, so it's like theater's a footnote. Yeah, I know, right? It's like <laughs> I do all these other things. Crazy. First <laughs> right. he got drunk. First he went crazy. First he impregnated everyone in ancient Greece, and then he said, "You know what? Let's put it all on stage." That's right. I lived a crazy. He life. lived a crazy let's, life. Let's, why not? Right? <laughs> yeah. Why not? Good pull, man. I I love that. And that is a theme we should know. Now I do want to look up to the spirit of Diane's guess. Mm. Yeah, when the first modern sort of studio 
was built and where um, and what year. I think, are, Diane, are you on the Google machine right now? Are you are you doing Google stuff right now? <laughs> no, to, not to find no, this no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I, think, I, saw, I, saw, I saw your expression. I'm like, she looked to the side. She's trying to look this up. So tell us about DigiFest coming up. Yep. I'm curious about this and, and tell us what it's all about and how we attend and support. Absolutely. Well, DigiFest is uh, in its eighth year now. It's a three-day event. It's so much more than a film festival. It's a competition. It's a place to come where we connect uh, high-level Hollywood industry professionals with professionals, emerging professionals, and students. It's a networking event. It's a journey event. It's a workshop event where you can learn things from AI to editing tricks, audio tricks, camera tricks that are new in today's technology from vendor fairs and exhibits that go on, as well as we cover all different kinds of mediums in the digital uh, industry, which could be video, film, podcasting, music, music video, photography, animation, graphics, websites. So we encourage everyone to enter. That would be your first step. I would love to see you enter a podcast. So put your podcast into DigiFest, get it submitted. It is one of the best ways to create authority as well as to get your laurels. And that's a good way to do it by the, the festival itself, by entering in, as well as being a part of the festival. And how do we, how do we, how do we enter? What's Go the website? To digifesttemecula.org. And that's mm -hmm. D-I-G-I-F-E-S-T. Temecula is T-E-M-E-C-U-L-A. But this is an international award-winning festival. We just name it after the city we're in because that's where we're at. Um, right. uh, it, but it's a, you know, it's a well-attended international event, whether that's in person or uh, virtually. And then you can just submit. It does push you over to Film Freeway, which most independent mm -hmm. filmmakers are all on. Um, but you start mm -hmm. at our website. That'll take you right to our Film Freeway page. And you can enter all your categories and submissions right in there. And then, you know, come out to the event or attend virtually. And we have some great success stories that have come out of DigiFest, as well as even for the industry professional professionals who come and speak. We've had, you know, Adrian Paul, we've had uh, the voice of Porky Pig come and speak. You know, we've had really great high level industry professionals. You know, last year we had uh, Ryan O'Nan, who's the executive producer of Big Sky from ABC. So it's just been, a, it's an incredible kind of star studded weekend at the same time you get to leave with feeling like you now can go and put things forward. We had a writer who met with a director here. They are now creating an animated film that is being pitched to Pixar. And that was one of our students who started with us as an actor, started with us in our writing class and our filmmaking class and connected it all through DigiFest and now she's pitching a Pixar. That's awesome. Do you guys do any uh, pitch competitions or workshops? Uh, you know, we haven't done any pitch competitions yet, but that's a really good idea. Maybe I'm going to have to 
incorporate well, some me of that. And Nick <laughs> happened to teach a wonderful pitch workshop at festivals. Yeah. And so if you need somebody to come in and teach a workshop, we're happy to do that. We'll talk, a, certainly talk about it offline. And we could also speak to podcasting, obviously. And we've made a three feature films all in worldwide distribution. We can speak to that as well. So I, you know, if, if, if that allows us to go to your awesome festival, then that's what we need to do. Cause I want to check this out. It sounds, it sounds really incredible. And eight years well, running. Great. Well, I definitely think we should have more conversations offline about that. Then. <laughs> yeah, no, no question about it. You, you mentioned AI and I guess I just have to ask you where, where do you think the industry is right now? Where are actors at right now? Um, why I get why it's a, a scary place for actors to be. I think the strike was mandatory. There is no mm -hmm. doubt about it. I think that actors need to be protected. Writers need mm -hmm. to be protected. Um, but as far as where I'm at with AI, I'm loving it. Um, I do believe <laughs> that. Um, Amen. I, mm -hmm. I, I do believe that um, you need to you need to learn it. You need to master it. It's just it's a brand new internet. It's really what it is. When the internet started, we didn't know what it was. We thought it was going to take over everything and do that. But we learned how to maneuver with it, make it work. Yep. You know, yes, did some businesses go out of business when Amazon took over? Of course, but more business came about of it, more business grew. And that will happen with AI, you gotta learn it. So you gotta get ahead of the game. Sure, is it gonna put some people in the auto industry out of work because AI will take over for that? Of course, but learn how to operate the AI so you can keep your job. Same thing with this industry. Is it gonna help us write faster? Yes but you still need to put your own creative juice in it. You gotta learn how to write a pretty creative, juicy little prompt to get chat GPT <laughs> That's right. to spit out something that is gonna work for you. So you're still mm -hmm. writing, you're still creating. It's a great way to look at a foundation so we can all work smarter, not harder. We can grow faster, we can do more. I think that's what it um, is gonna allow us. Um, in the business world, in the entrepreneurial world, if it can take some meaningless tasks off some people's plates and we can elevate those people who did those meaning tasks to something higher, we are only empowering them. We're watching them grow. We're watching them thrive. And that's what AI is going to teach us, how to work harder, work smarter, not harder. But that's going to mean we have to learn. There is a learning curve. There's a learning curve to learn the AI technology in and of itself. And there's a learning curve of how we can allow it to work for us, not instead of us. Yeah, and I think that's, that's so many key things there. But I would just want to say that, look, it's kind of like the internet, like you mentioned. Like, it's not coming. It's here, right? And this, and we are going to have to learn to live with it or you get left behind. So I think that despite the fear, despite this idea of the sky is falling, you have to embrace it, right? You're like, that's, that's the, yeah. you have to do it. Here's the three habits I've, I've, I've started. So one, instead of Googling things, I have started speaking into chat GPT app on my phone. Uh, it's been unbelievable so far. Uh, it's so much faster and it, gives you exactly what you want instead of like searching the links and then trying to find the information in between. So that's a really easy first step for most people. Just download ChatGPT or your AI of choice and start speaking into it instead of going to a browser and then doing a Google search. Um, and Google has their own yeah, uh, bar, I think. Uh, they, they have their own AI. So it's no, that's no knock on, on Google whatsoever. 
Um, the second habit is building your own GPT. So um, building out like these particular like, special like targeted GPTs, like we have one for newsletter writing and lead generation. And, and there yeah, you go. so yep. we're able to funnel stuff in and, and, and learning those APIs is, is, a, is a fun and, and sort of new habit. Have you played um, with Go High Level yet? No. Mm. Tell me all about yeah, this. Let's talk about yeah, that. Go high level. Um, it, it's a great CRM platform that kind of mm. works with all your API click funnels to be able to move through them, get, uh, get yourself really moving those funnels through on social media, as well as text messaging. It's a great tool. How do you spell it? Go high level. Mm-hmm. So just the way it sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just the way it sounds. It's, it, it's not H-I, but it's H-I-G-H? Correct. Okay. Yeah. This is why I love talking to entrepreneurs, Nick. Yeah. Because <laughs> they're doing entrepreneurial stuff. That's right. Like we are. And you're like, well, I'm using this tool. I'm like, what? Yeah, oh, what is that? CMR. Yeah. <laughs> like, like we, no, Diane, we were just looking at that, th- like CMRs and talking, having those conversations. Like, I don't know, like last week. Like this is like top of mind for us. So this that that's dope. I love that. And Let me know. I'll you get mentioned y'all that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, well, we're going to we're going to take you up on that. Yep. And then um, you mentioned prompts. I have this document that shows um, how NASA uses AI and and how they prompt it. It, it will change the way reading it, and I'll share it with you, Diane, if you want to read it and see it. Yeah. Uh, just glance at it. It will change the way you write prompts. Like most people, just are like. You know, how many lollipops come in the package? You know, it's like that's their prompt. And NASA's right, it writes a paragraph with bullets as their prompt. And I'm yes. like, whoa. In the output, they, I think people have to get around their, their brain around the idea that there's nothing you can't, too complex to ask this. You can ask this some really complex stuff and it doesn't really compute that it's very, that it's a very long request. And so I don't know if, if a lot of, I would say 99% of people are not asking more than three sentences of any GPT. And that's the way that the top level people are doing it. So I think that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I've written some very long prompts and here is a tip for all your listeners out there. When you're using AI, start with what you want it to be. If they're writing a social media post, tell chat to be GPT. You are the best social media manager in the world this Mm. is and then all of a sudden now it's thinking like a social media manager you are the best like it yep screenwriter in the world and i would like to tell a story about da 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 da. you write it out put everything in there otherwise you're going to get back a bunch of garbly goop that you're going to be like i gotta write the damn thing anyway so (laughs) right um, (laughs) you know so you got to be pretty specific it's not taking the work away it's helping it do faster. It's it's stopping the the writer's block or the brain freeze that's in there for the writer. You know, I use it all the time to start an email, and now I have mm-hmm. something. Especially you're talking about you know pitching. It's been great for pitching, pitching into different areas. It starts it, especially once I have a pitch that's worked. You know, yep. regenerate that pitch to now hit another topic and move that's through right. it, not try and recreate the wheel. Some of these things are already created and out there and use them. They're here for us to use. You know, I, I'm a, a believer in that. There needs to be some protections. Of course, guardrails mm-hmm. need to get in place. I hope, I hope, uh, you know, our government does what it needs to do and uh, things, you know, 
I think it, there needs to be those things in place, but I think it's just going to propel us faster into the future of being able to have a better life, um, enjoy mm-hmm. things. You know, uh, it's not going to take anything away unless we let it. Chris, I know, so wait, we're Chris. looking through the market reset. Basically. Yeah, but, but listen, yeah. man, I, I know you're feeling this the way I'm feeling this. I, I, I am feeling Diane's enthusiasm. You know, say like I can see yeah. why she's built. It's not even an empire, right? It's just you built so many things with so many people mm-hmm. because your enthusiasm yeah. comes through in everything that you say, right? Because you are enthusiastic about it. It's authentic to you. And I'm excited. Like you got me excited about all these things. I'm going to go make me some prompts. <laughs> you know, I'm going to try my hand at acting. You know, I'm going to go to the DigiFest, like all the things. I'm like, I'm excited. And I appreciate you for that. Well, thank you very much. I, you know, I love exciting people and empowering people to go out and live their dreams and live live a life of passion that has purpose and when you're doing you that you're never you're never working in a day it, it integrates with your life there's no such thing as an entrepreneur's balance it has to be integration and those things all have to come together and when there's purpose and passion and they're running on the the same even hamster wheel <laughs> right yeah. it, 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 it makes for a great harmony <laughs> that's awesome here 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 and this has been just a wonderful conversation uh i know nick has enjoyed it as, as much as i have <laughs> and, and i hope you feel the same way it wouldn't be good and fair to the audience i suppose if i let you off without asking what was your maybe film of the year oscar pick uh for for 2023 Oh, well, you know, I always say I I love it. I love all the film knowledge that you've brought into this. Um, But I'm a TV girl. I've always been a TV girl, much more than a film girl. Um, Give us a TV show. My favorite my favorite TV show is my all time favorite. You'd have to go to General Hospital. Not only do I watch it still every day, (laughs) I worked on the show. It was the best Uh, job I ever had when I was employed. So um, I love General Hospital and some of my greatest friends still are encircling my life from that experience. But film, um, you know, wow. You know, my all time favorite film of 2023. That's a really, you've stumped me now. Well, well, well how about this? Let, let's wait, wait. Let, let, I know, but that. let's switch it. Let's switch it. Let's go to TV. Let, let's, let's go to TV. You're a TV or, or just, or, or what's your favorite movie of all time? Maybe, maybe that would be is good. So TV and favorite movie of all time. Okay. There you favorite go. Favorite movie of all time is, um, really Shawshank Redemption. That oh, is my yeah. favorite movie of all I just time. Mentioned I can watch that time. movie over and over and over again find something new from the way that it was shot to the way it was such a downer of a movie, but mm. you root for them and you go with it. And the, the, the passion for survival in that film, I just, it kind of just wraps that all. That's one of the films all time, it, even flipping through TV. Oh, Shawshank up doesn't stop. Yep. So you mentioned General Hospital is your favorite TV show. Did you happen to work with Florencia Lozano? Um, I met him. I did not work. Oh no, no, it's a woman. It's a it's a girl. Uh, Oh, Florencia. Florencia. Then no, I don't. I was thought you were talking about Lorenzo, who was uh, Alcazar on General Hospital. Oh Oh, yeah, yeah. got it, got it, got it. I can't remember. uh, And shout out to her. I can't remember if she was on. Remember if she was on General Hospital or another soap. My mom watched General Hospital like it was, you know, 
she she had like a crack addiction to the <laughs> all soaps, but but she loved she loved wait, that wait, one wait. as and well. Wait wait wait, and she didn't call it soaps, did she? Because you know, my no, my family no. called them. They, no 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 no, my yeah. family called them stories, right? Yeah, stories, you, you, yeah. Watching, <laughs> watching them stories. <laughs> but well, when we did interview Florencia, I, one thing that stuck out to me was that she was like, "Those actors don't get the respect they deserve." Uh, it is so hard to act on oh, and, a soap. And writers. And writers. Like a new story every day. You're working nonstop. You're shooting the entire season. It's back to back. Like it's so, I don't think we think about it. And, no, we, and they should get a lot more credit. pages of dialogue every day you go into work. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. And it's, a, it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I, so, that, I, I don't know. I think that's I think that's probably why you you have a studio because you understand it. Yeah, it, you, I I love television. I think television is much more. You know, a film you can take three months, you can take three years to put a film together. Television, you got to do it just like that. It, it's rotating. It's you you have a week to do a drama. You have about four days to do a sitcom or a half hour mm-hmm. show. Uh, they shoot an episode a day on soap operas. Sometimes mm. they're shooting two or three episodes. Yep. It, you know, they shoot out of sequence a lot in, in soap operas. So you're jumping from, you know, one story to the next where you're shooting two weeks out and then somebody else is coming in and it could play for six months. That's how they stayed. <laughs> That's what saved them during COVID was that yep. um, that shooting schedule that they had, that yeah. they were able to play material almost all the way through till they were able to come back into the studio. Um, I have such passion, like you said, for the writers. One of the writers of General Hospital, his name is Scott Sickles. He's one of our mm-hmm. industry judges for our competition, um, you know, who uh, judges our scripts to our films and our shorts. Uh, so, and you did ask me, what was my favorite show, TV show in 2023 that came out? 2023, okay. Go with The Diplomat. Uh, uh, like Carrie Russell fan. Okay. Carrie awesome. Russell fan. She killed it on the Golden Globes, by the way. Yeah. She was awesome. And I think there was a big fervor for her online for her and uh, Ray Romano to just go ahead and host the whole oh, thing. The whole thing. Because <laughs> uh, Joe uh, Coy, Joe was, Coy. Was, was, not, was having a rough time. And they were doing great. And they were great. I love Carrie Russell. I, I will go with the chalk here because I absolutely loved the last season of Succession. And I know that's a chalk pick and and not very controversial, but so many shows, including Game of Thrones and some of the best, including Seinfeld, they had polarizing finales. And it is so hard to land the plane when you have a, a incredibly big and popular show. And I can't remember a finale better than that. I'm still thinking about that finale. And so shout out to Jesse Armstrong, shout out to Succession. That is the best show of 2023 mm-hmm. to me. And um, if you haven't seen the series, it's an easy watch. It's four uh, seasons only. And if you go to Amazon, speaking of Amazon, you can buy the full script books. And I have all four of them yeah, for each season. And you can just read all the dialogue. And it's it's very helpful as an actor and as a writer to um, – to sort of see them on the page and even as a showrunner to see them on the page and read them like a book. So um, there you go. 
uh, we've come full circle back to Amazon. <laughs> By the way, Amazon was on the brink of putting Barnes and Noble out of business. Then Barnes and Noble pulled a, a Diane and Nick and they said, no, we're not going out of business. We're just going to form a community around this location. They've had, they've had uh, profits, I think every year for the last four or five years. Yeah, they're, they're back. They're, they're still doing they're well. And, now. and they, they sell the yeah. personal items that even though I know my daughter likes, you know, it's like those little things like a pen or a notebook or whatever. And yeah. there's that experience. They of put a coffee shop into in a place. Yeah, exactly. I can't yeah. go into Amazon. Turn it into right? a community. That's right. They, they know. It. All right. Speaking of community, I love this community. I love uh, the community we formed here. And uh, you can find us at uh, www.bonsai.film to learn more about our podcast and everything we do. Diane, can you tell the audience where they can find you, uh, contact you if, if you want to give some contact information, support you? Tell us all the all the places our, our, our audience can go to find you and, and reach out to you. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I'm all over social media. It doesn't matter what platform you're on. You'll find something. Look up JDS. Uh, hashtag JDS family is a good way to search all the JDS, whether that's JDS video and media production, JDS actor studio, JDS creative academy. We have Digifest Temecula. We also have Spirit of Innovation, which is Arts Across America, which is our TV show. And I have DianeStrand.com. And our, like I said, our roof is JDS Studio. So if you go to jdsstudio.live, you can connect with everything there and just search up hashtag JDS family and we'll pop up somewhere. I love it. Perfect. Love it. Fantastic. Perfect. And uh, us on social, as I said earlier, is at underscore make it podcast on Instagram and on X. You can just search for us on YouTube and Facebook at the Make It Podcast. You can find us online at themakeitpodcast.com or you can find us at bonsai.film. That's F-I-L-M. You can reach out to Nick at nick at bonsai.film and tell him how much you loved his input today and uh, ask him <laughs> any questions you want. You can also find him on Reddit and please do submit questions to Nick and we will repeat them on this podcast and get you the answers from our guests if we can't answer it or for uh, from ourselves. You can reach out to me. Actually, before I go that, Nick, what's your handle on, on Reddit? You really know easy. It's just Nicholas Bugs. Yep. Two G's. So there you go. Just two find G's. Nicholas Bugs. <laughs> yep. And two G's. And uh, yeah, please do submit those those listener questions. If uh, you want to reach out to me, very easy. I am on X at Flame in Your Heart. Your is spelled U R. Or you can just search Chris Barkley, and I will come right up. Last but not least, we have a delicious and wonderful little newsletter we do every two weeks called Indie Insights. It is completely free and it is easy to subscribe. You can do that, do that at www.bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. Again, that's bonsai.film forward slash subscribe. You can sign up and you will get our next newsletter on Friday. And again, those come out every two weeks, completely free. And uh, uh, we try our best to just find things in film that uh, you're not going to find in a Hollywood reporter or you're not going to find in variety and bring them and aggregate them and and, um, and provide them to you at no cost. Again, just as a way to have community and help this independent film community do the very, very best they can do with all their projects. And so with that in mind, Nick, can you leave us pregnant pause? <laughs> 
with the credo. So long. <laughs> so long, you know. It's like, okay, all right, all right. So, so Diane, we have to say, you know, first, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your advice. Thank you for your energy on this podcast. As you can see, it is contagious, you know, and if you can't read me my shirt here, I got to step up so you can see it. Yeah, <laughs> choose happy Love is it. what we do. Happy, yes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so with that, I will say to our filmmaking friends, our fans, our followers out there, be better, be creative, be engaged. And thank you for listening. Nick, talk to you soon. Yes, sir. We'll do it again. And Diane, we'll talk to you too. Yep. Love it. Diane, thank, thank you so you much. Thank you very much.